Growing Up, our brand new resource for churches and parents is out now. Woohoo! With Sunday school sessions, training videos, podcast episodes for parents and one for the whole family. All there to help our children navigate the confusion, filter the messages they're surrounded by and hear God's good story. All our Growing Up resources point to the Heavenly Father who loves our children even more than we do and has the answer to their biggest questions about who they are and how to live. Together, as families and churches, we can support each other to start good conversations about bodies, gender and marriage so our children can grow up hearing God's good story. Head over to the website faithinkids.org and find out all the details about growing up. So I think the starting point is the same starting point as when you become parents for the first time and that's you realise that your children are on loan. They are given to you by God for you to raise and he has delegated the task of teaching them about him to us. And okay, so you've come to Christ and they're already you know, four and seven or whatever age they are. And that's okay because the Lord knows that and he's not expecting you to, the you know, day one of being a Christian to have everything in your life organised and your children walking with the Lord faithfully and everything perfect. In fact, we know, don't we, that, that actually that's, that's not how it works, that the Lord starts a work in us and he will carry it through to completion on the day that Jesus returns. It's just really reassuring to know that the pressure is off or rather the pressure is on us in a, in a helpful way rather than a horrible way. Hello, this is the Faith in Parents podcast. I'm Ed, I'm the director of Faith in Kids. Uh, it's a real pleasure to have with me Alan. Alan, say hello, tell us all about yourself. Hello, I'm Alan Witchells. I am an Essex boy through and through. Yeah, I grew up in a place called Brentwood in Essex. If you know anything about The Only Way is Essex, it is the heartland of Towie. We'll move on from that. Uh, what would you like to know about me? I'm married to just one wife with two children, Joshua, who is 14, almost 15, and Leonie, who is 11. And Alan, we're going to talk about it later, but just, just tell us a bit about how, how you fill your days. How I fill my days. So I've been trained as a, a pastor and I've served in churches, but in 2017, an opportunity to start a video ministry called Video Bible Talks came along. And so I now fill my days, sort of half of my time is producing Bible teaching videos for Video Bible Talks. And then the other half of my time is serving organisations and churches and ministries, making videos, promos and training videos and things like that. And that helps to fund Video Bible Talks because we, we make those videos available for free online. And Alan, because um, this topic we're looking at today is 
how do we parent as Christians if we haven't grown up in a Christian home? Could you just tell us a bit about your experience growing up in your family? Tell us a bit about what it was like and what you made of Christ and what your family made of Christianity. Yeah, so so my family, when I was born into it, was not a Christian family, although my mum had made a profession of faith when she was 21, so before I was born. But circumstances in her life meant that she um, kind of walked away from the Lord. And then I was, I was born into that. So I, I grew up in a, a what I would call a churchianity family. So my dad was a scout leader. My mum had that background to her. So we didn't go to church and we, we weren't actively living as Christians or anything like that. And I became a Christian when I was 16. It was, it was very ironic. I became a Christian at a, youth, a Christian youth work conference. I wasn't a Christian and I wasn't a youth worker. But I managed to end up at this uh, conference, heard the good news of Jesus explained, was invited to respond, prayed and the Lord entered my life, the Spirit uh, entered my life and I had my eyes open to who Jesus was and uh, committed to live for him and came home and was rejoicing and praising God in my my room and it kind of slightly weirded out my parents a little bit because unbeknownst to me, my mum who had walked away from the Lord was now watching her son walk with the Lord and so there was a real, there was a real battle going on where I was wanting to live for Jesus and my mum didn't want me to live for Jesus. But deep down she knew that, that actually that was the right thing. So there was a, it was a really weird mix of things going on in, in my family. Alan, can you think of a couple of moments, because I'm sure some of our listeners will have teenagers. Can you think of a couple of moments where, where you think you sort of got hold of what it was to be a Christian? Because presumably you were working it out. And this touches on what we're talking about today is you didn't have parents to influence and advise. Were there a few things you just remember as a teenager you thought that that needs to change or I'd like to do more of that and, and your parents noticing? So I think before I became a Christian, I, I went to a, a Church of England primary school and I loved hearing the stories of Jesus. Absolutely loved it. When I left that school, they gave me a Bible as a present and I remember being at my nan's under the covers reading the Bible going, oh, I, I, like, I really enjoy this. When I went to secondary school, obviously secondary school is a completely different kettle of fish to primary school. And so the influences changed and that, that sort of hunger for wanting to know more fell away. And then when I became a Christian, it came back and I wanted to know my saviour better and I, I I was part of a church family that that had a really deep heart a deep love for the Lord and I just wanted to spend time with other people and kind of seeing what they did seeing what they said seeing how they lived and the main thing for me was there was a, a very small youth group of about five or six of us who just bundled around the house looked at the bible together and I, I was kind of lapping it up. Ironically, I struggled to live as a Christian as soon as I became a Christian, whereas before I was actually quite a, an all right kind of middle of the road kid. I think so the spiritual battle of living as a Christian kind of came home to me quite quickly. And I, I sort of took a hit where I, I struggled with things that I hadn't struggled with. It was like the devil was leaving me alone. And now I'm following Jesus. Like, right, let's attack. So spending time with Christians is something that I, I really wanted to do. I really wanted to learn and see what they were doing and um, spend time with them and enjoy 
this you know this new community that I was now a part of but the sort of walk as a Christian I was really struggling with because I had never been taught on it this is just really helpful to listen to on so many levels because as Christian parents we can either overthink it doubt the reality of the spirit's work or we can despair Mm. so first of all just to hear you say as a child you loved hearing stories of Christ and and you found yourself reading a Bible. I do think that's just worth us hearing. <laughs> In a very simple level, when we're around children, let's tell them about Jesus. Yeah. Uh, we, we don't have to do it complicated. We don't have to have a lesson prepared and we don't have to have a game that fits a theme. No. Particularly to be around under 11s, show them Jesus. Mm. And and then that, that point you're making, look, the book of Romans talks about that. Alan, you, you know that you've worked with young people that the reality is, is we're most of the people we know are really lovely people mm. and they do good things to become a Christian is to enter spiritual warfare and to know the spirits work in your life. So there might be some people listening, just thinking Alan takes himself to a youth group. Mm. Alan wants to be around a small, awkward youth group of five who are doing nothing more cool than hanging around someone's house and opening the Bible and caring for each other and and you've been a youth worker alan so i mean that story must that must influence how you've worked with young people presumably there is a simplicity to what you're talking about that makes my heart warm yeah yeah so uh, like i remember just the simplicity of it is something that that i sort of carried through just seeing a bunch of people just spend loving one another and spending time in the scriptures together that was the foundation. That's all That's all we did. The youth group leaders didn't put on a fancy program of events. They let us get on with that. We sort of took care of that ourselves. We'd arranged to go around each other's homes and, you know, spend time with each other outside the youth group. But in the youth group, it was, you know, do what... This is where I... So you, you said, did it carry through? When I was serving in youth ministry, I had a little phrase, we're going to do what Christians do and have a great time doing it. It's as simple as that, I think. Don't try and win people with anything other than the gospel and Christian community, because that is more than enough. It is better than anything that we can come up with. And that's what I've seen, you know, seeing young people wanting to come to church, wanting to come to youth group, wanting to get stuck into the scriptures because it's Jesus that's speaking and it's he, him they want to get to know. I recently, Alan, had a, a situation where I was at one of these big Bible, it was actually Bible by the Beach, a big gathering of families. And uh, we were short of someone in the youth group. We didn't actually have enough leaders for the evening. Yeah. And um, I was handed the number of a woman in her 70s who I'd never met, who uh, was apparently totally godly, totally brilliant, and would probably be willing to come around. So I phoned her up and said, look, this is, the, this is an odd conversation, mm-hmm. but you, you know what we're doing. You live locally. We need some help. We're a leader down. Would you come? She said, which you'd imagine she would, the thing is, I'm really not in touch with youth culture. It's a long time since I've been in a youth group. I'm not <laughs> sure I'd know what to talk about. And you're like, brilliant. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I fully said, look, people are going to be coming from all over this, this half of England they're going to know almost no one else in the room. They're teenagers. They feel entirely socially awkward. What they need is someone in the room to listen to them, to say they are so welcome, to give them a great big smile and to tell them they're going to have a great weekend mm. because Jesus is at work. Yeah. And she, as she said, I can hear the smile. I can do that. Yeah. She totally gets. She totally got. She came. It went very well, exactly as we thought. To, to be a parent of a teenager, I think, is frequently to be nervous and scared 
that you, you've got this alien living behind a closed door. <laughs> if we can point them to other Christians, and if we could make, if we can open our home to those other teenagers, good, good things happen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Alan, we then fast forward to you having to getting married, having children. Mm. Were you aware that there was just this thing of Christian parenting? I've had parents come to me before the birth of their child to say, Ed, quick, tell me everything I need to know. <laughs> and I always, it's a particularly difficult question to answer. But how, how much were you aware that there was a thing? And how much did you try and read books and talk to people? And how much was it actually you got down the road and just thought, there's something happening here that I just want to get along with? Okay, so w when Kirsten and I got together, we observed people. We observed what people were doing. Because we, we knew that, that children was something that would be down the line. So we would always come away from somewhere, not in a, it's, this is going to sound judgmental and it wasn't judgmental, but we would get, be talking to ourselves saying, would you do that? And we'd talk about it. Or would you not do that? Or, or would you do something differently? Or you'd see something, you go, I really liked how they handled that. That was really helpful. So we would start to learn before we got in the game. But having said that, before anyone thinks, puts me on any kind of pedestal, it is worth saying that I, so my growing up, it was me and my brother, but because my brother had an illness um, that meant he was in hospital a lot, we never had young children around us, okay? So like children and babies and things like that were alien to me. Whereas Kirsten, she was in a family where that was normal. They had uh, people coming around their house all the time, diff all different ages, but she was used to babies. She had a, a very young niece, born very young. So that was that was familiar ground. So I was going into parenting thinking, right, she can handle it and I will delegate and oversee. Okay. So for all of that planning. <laughs> okay, I, I, hang on. <laughs> I, I can't let that go. I mean, that that is that is such the, the wisdom of youth, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I, I, I will take some sort of credit as a man. Yeah. And I will be around her while she does excellence. Exactly. And it will all go incredibly well. Yeah. I I I often tell the story of uh, the night our first child was born. I went to leave the hospital after a day of essentially that child sleeping. So I'd yet to see her awake. <laughs> I was exhausted from a very tiring night and I was secretly relieved to be going home to my bed and as I put my hand on the doorknob to leave the hospital room, Mary said, Ed, what do I do when she wakes up? That was a terrifying revelation to me. That was the first time I realised I didn't know what I was doing and she didn't know what she was doing. So well done on Marion Kirsten, who apparently did know what she was doing. She did. She did. However, the Lords had other plans for which I am immensely grateful because, so Joshua, our firstborn, 43-hour labour that ended in a C-section, of which straight away we knew that the, that the C-section wasn't healing as it should, and she contracted MRSA. And so if you know anything about C-sections, you know that you can't do anything anyway, but that was extended by months, okay? And that forced me to do everything. And so I was suddenly in a, no, you can't leave this up to Kirsten, you need to take responsibility she's struggling with the fact that she's got mrsa and, and wants to do everything and can't so the, the roles have kind of been flipped around i mean in god's wisdom that meant that i well I, I either ran away which wasn't an option or i stepped up so i i 
made use of good Christian friends. There were a couple of late night phone calls to um, friends of ours who were a little bit further along in parenting and me sometimes in tears on the phone saying, I don't know what I'm doing. What, what, what about this? I'm thinking about this. You know, all those sorts of kind of questions firing at them and then sort of sharing their wisdom with me, which I'm indebted to. But it, it made me, I, I kind of had to step up and think, right, okay, from everything from when are we going to feed? How are we going to get him to sleep? What are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about that? Kirsten wasn't in a position to make those kind of decisions and I had to to, to make them. And as a result, I, I always say to people, and I quite enjoy seeing people's reactions. Whenever they're expecting a newborn, I always say to the dads, make sure that you do everything for the first couple of months. Do everything. Get stuck in. Because... The flip side was I was stepping up into that role of responsibility and lead, loving leadership that God has for us as men in families. And it meant that I could spend time with my son and and bond with him in a way that Kirsten already had because she had carried him for nine months. And so I give thanks that I was forced into a, that that position of having to take responsibility for everything. And Alan, as you trace, you know, as you look on how the story then works its way out, you now have two teenagers. Mm. How do you work out how to be a Christian parent? How did you work out how to be a Christian parent? So like I said, we, Kirsten and I had spent time before kind of observing others, thinking about things in advance. Uh, So that did play a big part. I also had the advantage, and this is a big advantage, and I recognise that not not many people are going to have this advantage, but I, I was able to go, before Joshua was born, I was at Bible College for three years, and I was one of the very few youth and children's ministry people that was kind of funded to do it full-time without having a, a job to, to get in the way, so to speak. So I was able to think about these things in advance because, obviously, youth ministry is supporting parents and therefore... Been studying youth ministry, I was effectively studying parenting anyway. So drawing out of that, the principle is spend time with Christians, observing, chatting to them, finding out about how they do things. Like I said, not in a judgmental way, working out what you do, what you do differently, what you wouldn't do, but also spend time in, in the scriptures thinking about parenting in advance it is a great is a great thing. But as we went through bringing up Joshua and Leone, uh, who came along you know, two and a half years after, we've really lived by a very simple principle, which is God has given us everything that we need. So, and, and he's, he's told us everything that is important for us to know, and he's made it clear what we are to do. And what we are to do is actually very, very simple. It's bring them up to know and love Jesus and trust him with the rest. And that's kind of what we've been trying to do for better or worse for the last 14 and 11 years. Alan, you make it sound very simple. And I hope this episode helps those who are new to Christian parenting. It is helpful. It is simple to be around Christians, to know God's word is enough and to know Christ will always be in charge of your family. Could you talk us through though, Alan, a little around, does it matter that you didn't grow up in a Christian home? Maybe all of us are just clueless when we have children, so we're all in the same boat. It's helpful growing up in a Christian home. Like I, I look at my friends who have grown up in a Christian home and I see in them people that have had it modelled to them what, what being a Christian looks like from, from day one. And 
And I rejoice with, with them that they have that. But it's it's not a fundamental necessity because what they have been given by the Lord is exactly the same as what I've been given by the Lord. I've been given the scriptures. I've been given his spirit in me. I've been given the church around me. And, and therefore, I can get going with living as a Christian and being a Christian parent, even though I am practically making up as I go along. Because I can turn to the scriptures, I can talk to the spirit and, and ask God to be at work in me. And I can go to my Christian brothers and sisters and say, like, am I getting it right? Was that a good thing to do? Was that a bad thing to do? We hold on, don't we, to the promises of the spirit at work in our lives, Alan. John sixteen thirteen says, but when he, that is the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into the truth. Mm. He'll not speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears and he'll tell you what is yet to come. This is Jesus speaking about him leaving and the spirit being left. And he calls the spirit, the spirit of truth. Mm. So to be a Christian parent is to hold tight to a promise that the spirit is doing a work in us to help us understand what is true and good and what is wrong. That that verse actually goes, I, I hold that hand in hand with what, like I have a couple of, bits of scripture that i think it's so helpful as parents to just get in your head and your heart and, and that's proverbs 22 6 train a child in the way that they should go and when they're older they won't depart from it and th those two things go hand in hand you, you train you train your children you bring your children up to know jesus to to walk in the spirit and you trust that they won't depart from it because it's the spirit of truth that is at work in them I have no confidence in my parenting, but I have every confidence in my saviour and the spirit in me and in them, I pray, to, to lead them where they need to go. So I, I think, Alan, that means that it, if, if we come to Christ late mm -hmm. and we are Christian parents, we, we are not searching for the seven things we must do as parents. <laughs> no. There isn't a definitive answer to how do I raise my children to be Christians? You have been very helpful in saying, let's get them around other Christians. Let's join a church where we as parents can get help and they as children can get loved. And let, let's find ways to get the Bible and prayer into our daily lives and to, and to start each day repenting and believing. Mm. Yeah, there isn't this big long list of, you know, do this, do that, do the other. There are th commands that the Lord gives us that is good to follow. But ultimately, it comes down to who are you living for? And who are you living for in your family? Is it Jesus or is it to, is it something else? I, I find myself thinking that at the moment, for instance, in our family life, I have two teenagers and one under 11. And I am aware that with two teenagers, it, I'm in a season of life now where I, there is, in some ways, there is less parenting to be done. I no longer need to check they're not holding a very sharp knife. I no longer need to check they're about to walk out of a window on the first floor. And I, I, at the moment, I think feel the spirit's prompting that it, it is tempting, if you like, to sort of disengage as a dad from all three, actually, and let the, the older ones parent the younger one. So at the moment, I'm trying to work out again with three children at three different schools, and they all leave in the morning at different times. How, how do I open the Bible with them, or have I just given up? Because it's just so difficult. Mm. The, the spirit is helping us, prompting us to work out in each season of life what does it look like to be a Christian here? And, and who are the people I can talk to and ask and say, this grates a bit, 
or I feel guilty. And I think a great thing Christians do for me is to say, it's all right, Ed, because to be a parent is to carry a burden and uh, to have friends who lift the burden, I think, I, I think is a great blessing. So Alan, look, having said there is no definitive answer, I'm just going to ask you for a definitive answer, I guess. <laughs> you have come to Christian parenting and it sounds like you've, you've found some answers along the way. To the person who's just become a Christian in the local church, maybe let, let's imagine that their children are four and seven. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that there are some patterns in place, you know, parenting they've worked out. Where do they make a start, Alan? So I think the starting point is the same starting point as when you become parents for the first time. And that's you realize that your children are on loan. They are given to you by God for you to raise and he has delegated the task of teaching them about him to us. And okay, so you've come to Christ and they're already, you know, four and seven or whatever age they are. And that's okay because the Lord knows that and he's not expecting you to, the mo you know, day one of being a Christian to have everything in your life <laughs> organized and your children walking with the Lord faithfully and everything perfect. In fact, we know, don't we, that, that actually that's that's not how it works, that the Lord starts a work in us and he will carry it through to completion on the day that Jesus returns. It's just really reassuring to know that the pressure is off or rather the pressure is on us in a, in a helpful way rather than a horrible way. We've been given this joyful task of training our children and the Lord knows our starting point and he knows the end point and he's tasking us with walking and with him as we do that to bring them up so what does it look like i think i guess it looks like we're putting in practice the little that you do know and building on it so you know if you've just literally become a christian tell your kids that tell them about this wonderful savior and how you've met him share with them what life was like beforehand I said this in my youth group, actually, we were looking at a passage. There was a sense with some of them in the youth group who had grown up in Christian homes that they were missing out on being non-Christians, that somehow they hadn't got to experience that side of life. And I was saying to them, I have, and it's bleak and it's dark and it's lifeless and it's a void and there is no meaning and no hope and no joy, really. And it's only when you meet Jesus and are saved that that light and life come into your life and so don't ever hunger after that do seek the Lord and, and and everything that he has to offer because everything else is empty and worthless so if you've just become a Christian share that with them share that story with them share your testimony and build on it from there everything you learn at church share it with them teach it to them fumble your way through knowing that the spirit is at work in you and we pray in them and Alan, one thing um, I think we're learning from data, but then also just from thinking it through a bit more carefully, is it is tempting as a parent to believe that we have to have all the answers and we have to show the perfect Christian life to our children and that's how they will grow faith. Mm. That That is Christ's job alone. Mm. Christ alone has it all sorted. He shows us the Christian faith. As parents, we get to stuff it up and tell our children when we've stuffed it up. Mm. we get to apologize for the way we've we have been doing it but we think we've worked out we need to do this differently now mm. i had that conversation with my children on the way back in the car recently as i said 
look, I think we need to find a way that we open the Bible maybe separately. And so let's work out when we're each going to do that. You know, my youngest sort of rolled his eyes. Oh, no, really? Do I have to? <laughs> we all laughed a bit, but I got to say, I'm sorry. I- I've let this slide. Yeah. We're going to have to change it. I have to say, I, I opened the Bible with my seven-year-old on his own yesterday morning, and it was brilliant. <laughs> what a gift from the Lord that was. It really lifted my spirits. Uh, he's, just, he's just starting to sort of um, fluently read, just starting to do that. So he got to read a bit of the Bible to me. Mm. I don't think he's ever done that before, really. And he did it on his own, so he, he, got, he got more of the airtime. Mm-hmm. His brother and sister went interrupting. I guess one of the things that, uh, one of the advantages if you become a Christian and know that you want to bring your children up to know and love, love Jesus is that you, we're very good at having, doing things in a churchy way. And you haven't got that baggage in that sense. So for example, like I, I knew that I needed to read the Bible with my kids, but I didn't know what that looked like. So like when they were old enough, so I think it was juniors, I, I, we made a big thing. When they, when they went to juniors, we, we gave them a Bible each, their own Bible, their own grown-up one, and just took them out f- for hot chocolate at the end of the week and sat down and read a bit and fumbled my way through. I say fumbled, like, you know, I was fumbling, but I knew that the Spirit was at work doing exactly what he needed to do. So, Alan, quickly... You've opened the Bible with your children over a coffee. You or they have read six verses. Yep. Tell me what the next three things you're going to say are. The first thing I say is there are any words you don't understand because remember they were quite young. But then all I'm looking for is what does this tell us about Jesus? What does it tell us about following him? What does that look like for us? They're the three questions that I always have in my head. And <laughs> it was great because... I went through a, a relatively easy, but well, I think it's relatively easy. I don't know if anyone else does. One Peter, one and two Peter went through. Got to the end of two Peter and my son, I said to him, okay, what do you want to do next? And he goes, Revelation. <laughs> I'm like, really? You want to go through Revelation? He's like, yeah, I think it's really interesting. And so I'm like, oh, heck, okay, fine. I should say, Alan, in my experience, when you ask any young person what book of the Bible they want to look at, they always say Revelation. But that's so, great. That's well, great. it's kind of great. I think I've mainly learned don't ask young people what book of the Bible they want to look at. But I just, I was like, okay, fine. If you want to look at Revelation, we'll look at Revelation. Because, like, there's some bits. I'm, I, we, we read it together and I was like, I'm struggling to know what that's saying. But I think it's saying this. What do you think? And he'll go, yeah, I do, or whatever. We'll chat about it. But that's okay because that's what that's what being a Christian is. It's it's listening to God's word and wrestling with it to try and understand it better. Because it's him you want to hear no, it's the Lord's voice you want to hear. It's a joy. Yeah. So Alan, some people may be feeling intimidated that you've just read one Peter, two Peter and Revelation which at least two of those three books are incredibly difficult to understand. Sure, yeah. But your three questions, I do think, take us to a level where we think that's possible. Yeah. Which is, on Monday, when I opened the Bible with my seven-year-old, it was a story of Jesus healing the girl who had died in Mark's Gospel when he says, Talitha Kum. Josh liked being able to speak something in Aramaic. But the question is, who got helped in this story? Mm-hmm. So you started with, what do we learn of Jesus? What did Jesus do in this story? I didn't get any further than that. <laughs> but your next, two, your, your next two questions are great. 
I wonder what it would look like to follow him. I wonder what we would be like if we were loving others. When he just stops and the woman who's been bleeding for 12 years gets healed, mm. what would it look like to be the people who just stop and take care of people? And even the Old Testament stories, it's still the same question. What does this tell us about Jesus? Because the whole Bible is about him. And it's just a case of, okay, what does this tell us about what the people of God were to expect about Jesus? What does it tell us about what the Lord is like? Um, so it's still the same question. So you can go to the bits of the Bible that you're more familiar with or comfortable with and go from there and just enjoy spending time in, in the scriptures together. I, I think that's that's the key is you're like, I love Jesus. I love you. And so we're going to spend time, the three of us together, the Lord, you, me. Alan, you said something earlier, which is you told us you take two verses together, John sixteen thirteen, the spirit will guide us into all truth. Proverbs 22, 6, mm-hmm. raise a child in the way they should go and they'll never depart from it. Our listeners may be thinking, well, this sounds like a perfect foolproof way of every child becoming a Christian. <laughs> the spirit is at work and God has promised that if we raise them as Christians, they always will be. Is there any nuance to that, Alan, that you want to add and how we handle it when we we see our children getting less engaged, not more engaged in Christ? Yeah. So Proverbs 22, train a child in the way that they should go. Proverbs, they, they are truisms, aren't they? They are generally true. It's not a rule, though. So it's not like if you do this, this will always happen. And we see that in the Bible, you know, children of Bible characters, presumably who are brought up to know and love the Lord going awry. So that's worth bearing in mind. I do think that our job as parents is to point them in the right direction. Whether they walk it is between them and the Lord. But we are to, with all of our strength, as emphatically as we can, with love and care and concern for our kids, we are to say, this is the way that is best. Go that way. Whether they walk it is between them and the Lord. And bearing in mind, I mean, if I think about, I mentioned at the beginning about my mum, how she became a Christian when she was 20, where she made a profession of faith when she was 21. It was right up until my when my dad died in 2010. That's when she stopped running away from the Lord. Um, There's a couple of, about a year or so after, she just couldn't get the verse, be still and know that I'm God, out of her head. It was everywhere that she looked. It was printed on a bus that went past her one day. And she came back to the Lord. And so entrusting our children to the Lord may be something that we keep doing to the grave and trust that, okay, we go to be with the Lord and they are not yet with him but he knows what he's doing and he can be trusted with them even when we're out of the picture. One of my big things is just lifting our eyes up, trusting the Lord with things, doing our best, laboring as hard as we can, playing our part, but all the while doing so in the grace that he gives, trusting him for the results. Alan, this must be the perfect place to finish that if this podcast is trying to help those who think Christian parenting is a baffling idea and they're new to it, this must be the final thing we need to say and maybe the only thing we need to say, which is the Lord has us, the Lord has our children. We point them in the best direction we can, knowing that we as the signpost are far from, we're far from clear. Mm. And the Lord loves our children more than we do. That is enough 
That's actually the prayer that we pray with our kids every night. We'd say a very simple prayer with them every night, well, as we're tucking them in. Alan, why don't you pray that for us to finish the podcast? Sure, sure. Heavenly Father, we pray for ourselves, we pray for our kids, that we would know and love Jesus and walk with him all the days of our life. We love our children, but you love them more. Amen. Amen. Alan, just to finish, will you please just tell us, uh, is, is there anything you recommend for if we want to think more about this? And secondly, will you tell us a bit about Video Bible Talks and how we can find out more? It'll be in the show notes. Both of the things you're about to tell us are in the show notes. Off you go, Alan. Yeah, so I that, that verse in Proverbs 22, verse 6, I came across in a book by J.C. Ryle called Duties of Parents. It was written like 100 years ago. And I was serving in a church at the time and thought, this really needs to be in it in language that people can understand. And so I, I did that. <laughs> I kind of took a couple of months and just translated it really. So yeah, Duties of Parents by JC Ryle. You can get the version edited in English um, that I did. Thank you. Alan, just tell us about the video Bible talks. The link is in the show notes for how we find it. What is it? Who can it help? Yeah, so it is video-based Bible teaching. It's primarily aimed, written and produced with... Um, church groups youth groups small groups ministries kind of in mind but i do know people that watch it personally for themselves the idea is that the videos take care of the bible proclamation so that youth group leaders or small group leaders can take care of the bible application so it's kind of written for for people that that haven't got a full-time member of staff or maybe volunteers that are just really stretched with time and and energy and skills so that they can be freed up to to do the personal work of applying the Bible to to the people that they serve, but anyone can can use them, watch them, use them as devotions. I know a family that that did them on their family holiday, just in the evening. That's what they watched together. So, if it's helpful, go and go and use them. Alan, thanks so much. I know that a lot of churches, and you've said even families, use this. Uh, please do go to the show notes, videobibletalks.com. Click on that link. The videos Alan produces are incredibly professional and well put together. These videos obviously are not just great looking attractive videos. They're also teaching truth really well. You've used a variety of people to give the talks that you have videoed who are really brilliant at engaging young people particularly. Thank you for doing that, Alan. May the Lord bless you as you continue. Alan, thank you for joining us. It's been great to be here. Say goodbye, Alan. Bye, Alan. Bye-bye. See you next time. (laughs) 